Oh, there you go, man. Bam. We're doing Can you hear me? I can hear you now. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. Awesome, dude. How are you? Good, man. Good. Good to see you. It's good to see anybody these days, you know? I know, right? It's like, uh, I think the, the thing that people like to do the most is see people. <laughs> dude, the first several podcasts I did with people I hadn't seen a while from inside out say whatever it, it was just like oh a person uh, this I mean I was seeing a few people but man it's like a couple family members my wife a couple students a couple of instructors. are you guys still fully locked down there no uh they've lightened up a lot uh but I still can't have kids classes really yeah yeah what about you guys what's going on so there, uh, we're kind of like just in this little niche where we're in the city of Battlefield, which is outside of Springfield. And um, so we kind of like they voted recently to not adhere to the county's more stricter um, guidelines. And so like pretty much every few days they seem to be laxing it, you know, one way or the other. So um, honestly, man, like we just decided to open up uh, two weeks ago and uh, we're doing regular classes, regular rolling. Um, you know, I'm doing my part to like screen students when they come in and, uh, we have like a, a waiver that everybody needs to sign. Um, you know, that's additional. It's pretty much specific to COVID and, you know, kind of like showing symptoms and stuff like that. Um, we kind of doubled up, uh, how many times we have the school professionally clean. And then obviously we do a really good job cleaning the school. If you've ever been to my school, it's immaculate. Like I'm such a germaphobe anyways. This is like, honestly, like practice, uh, you know, <laughs> nothing else. I remember there's a funny ass meme that came out. It was like a bunch of jujitsu dudes like COVID-19 and they're just like rolling. Then it was like ringworm and every like a hazmat suit. Man, honestly, like, uh, you know, I, I still have people wanting to do private lessons and I have a lot of people that come and train jujitsu for, you know, a ton of different reasons. So, um, you know, some of those people I still try to make time for even during this time and, and train with them. And uh, honestly, man, like, after training, I was still more worried about like doing the normal stuff, like take a shower, you know, because of ringworm and, and staff versus like worried about COVID, you know, but know, yeah, this is what it is. You know, I think we'll, we'll kind of uh, just all make our own decision and figure out what feels right for us and, you know, move forward. Yeah. Yeah, man. We, you know, like we're rolling, but like that is like the way that they did the, the when they opened the fitness centers back up in Arkansas or gyms that they are like had some stupid guidelines that really kind of ruled out jujitsu. So we're technically, we're technically an open rebellion for adult jujitsu. Yeah, class. exactly. And, you know, from my understanding is that what you're going to see is uh, you're kind of in a position where you can't sue the government because it's a guideline it's not a law okay um and they can't necessarily like if they take you to jail or try to find you that's where you're going to have cause to sue them or or pursue them in a, in a legal sense so that's why i think a lot of the times you see these cases they're going to get dismissed they're not going to actually go to jail like if they do go to jail like you're going to have someone come in above them and say hey get that person out of jail before we get sued i mean that's my understanding of it because i mean at some point the 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 constitution has to stand for something. Right. And so if we're just going to come in and change that anytime that something scary comes along, it's like, at what point are we just, you know, it does it not matter, you know? So 
um seeing people like tanner rice open up and stuff i'm like i was I'm just Missouri. thinking if about I, if him I can't, if i can't open up i mean there's something wrong so uh, and then that's not to take anything away from people that think they should stay closed or or have um you know personal beliefs to stay closed if they think that's what's best then i'm all for that but you know the the last email i got from a student was you know someone that was dealing with depression and uh spending time away from the school was really you know struggling i was like man i'm i'm not doing this anymore like i, I don't want anybody you know having a, a a very dark time in their life because i might or might not be helping out quote unquote flatten this curve you know we haven't had a case in in our city in three weeks you know so it's it's like why do you shut down an economy and, and everybody's livelihood for something like that it's it's baffling to me, but I don't know, man. I'm just a jujitsu coach. You know, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a, I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a, I'm not any expert. I just teach jujitsu, you know? So I try to uh, just get all the information I can, I guess. Well, man, I mean, yes, but it, it like at the same time you represent, I mean, I, I guess what you could just call the common man, right? Yeah. Like there's so many Average people joke. like, yeah, like we, like we're making up society, you know, like I jujitsu, I teach college, I do some other things but like still like like we're just like we're we're the everyday people of the country you know exactly and, like pull pull out jujitsu coach and insert you know um uh, electrician or uh you know cable ins installation guy whatever i mean like we are the people that make up the 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 world uh, as a whole you know what i mean and like i think that's where i've seen the, the most affected like we've had most of our students that have had to you know cancel um it's financial it's not because you know they're worried about covid or or this or that it's it's you know they're worried that they're not gonna be able to pay bills and so i've just extended free membership to anybody that's you know lost their job in this time is it's whatever you know like whatever i can do to kind of help out it's it's a no-brainer right honestly it is man i mean it uh we've done the same thing and we're we're kind of taking some of the same precautions that you mentioned earlier and um we're back, about back to full capacity on our adults. It's still going to yeah. take us some time to rebound across the board, but man, I, I think I, I don't think we'll start getting there till probably first of June. You know, our, our adult classes are definitely growing back. We signed up like four new students last week, which is pretty good for us. You know, I'm that's great. Super excited about that. Yeah, you know, um, but the kids, I, you know, it's crazy. It's like they're the least likely to be affected by this, but parents, you know, are very cautious. And and I understand. I'm a I'm a parent too. So um, again everybody needs to do what's right for for them and whatever makes them feel safe is is what i want them to do you know yeah for sure man uh, that's i'm i'm kind of the same way and it's um we, we have some people within the gym membership that are nervous about it like i talked to tanner ross about it because i asked him that question i was just like dude what uh you know or what is the perception of your members about your actions you know, like, are any of them mad at you? And he said that they had a couple of people that were upset, but it's like, you know, like those, those types of members may would have been upset about something else on down the line, you know, I don't know. And that's why I want to let people make their own decision. You know, I don't want to like, um, make anybody come train like, Hey, listen, you know, you need to come in and train, you know, it's like, for the most part, people need to just, uh, come when they're comfortable. You know, if you, if you need to set a, a, a number or a date in your head for, okay, in the first of June, you know, then I can come back or whatever. If that's, that makes you feel better or safe and you can come in and train jujitsu with a clear mind and June it is, you know, but uh, I'm here, I'm on the mat. Um, you know, we have a lot of people on the mat still. So, 
we're here, you know, uh, what I'm really excited for is getting these tournaments going, you know, I'll be, I'll be really happy when the AGF and Fuji and some of the small regional tournaments, um, you know, get, get rolling again. For sure. Likewise. Yeah. That's, um, man, I've been keeping up with, uh, Chris about, uh, that family incident. Oh man. That sucks. I just had him on the podcast like 10 days ago and then Brandon, like right after. It's crazy. Yeah, dude. It's like, as a parent, like, uh, it's just devastating. Like, uh, man, I could talk about that for an hour. I mean, for those of you guys that don't know Chris Carlino, he's an awesome dude. He's a half owner for AGF, uh, grappling, uh, tournaments. And, uh, you know, he had a family member that uh, was involved in a very, very bad car accident. So if you guys know Chris, you know, uh, hit him up, give him some love. Uh, he's got a GoFundMe page that was started by somebody else. It wasn't even by Chris. Um, I'll share that you know, in the comments. Yeah, definitely the, check the that out. Cause just good people, man. Um, that's a tournament that I've seen come up from, you know, pretty much nothing. And, uh, it's a, a very, it's one of my students favorite uh, events to be a part of because of just how well it is, is, uh, presented. So, uh, shout out to Chris Carlino and your family prayers to, to you guys. And, uh, you guys are definitely in our thoughts for sure. So, yeah, yeah, it's a sad deal, man. You know, um, it, and that's, what's crazy to me is like, it's not about, uh, avoiding death, you know, because it, 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 these kind of accidents, you know, in situations and dangers and, and, um, you know, they can happen at any time, you know, someone texting and driving, running a red light, like that, I see that all the time, you know, that's what I'm more scared of, not uh, something that might or might not happen. And I'm just not willing to, you know, live my life in fear, because you have something like that, that just happens and it's so devastating. And it's out of nowhere. So life's precious, man, you know, it's, it's too short to, to live in fear, I feel. It is, man. And that's, that is it. It's just the fear. Like it's got more people thinking about the inevitability of death instead of living for today, you know? Yeah. And that's something I think jujitsu is really good about is like jujitsu, uh, you just kind of learn to deal with the circumstance and make the best out of things, no matter what it is. I mean, we always say that to our students when they sign up, like, you know, uh, we're going to teach you jujitsu, but really like you're going to gain other stuff. You're going to gain confidence or, or, uh, you know, just, uh, whatever, whatever you're going to get from it, you know, um, that's what we're selling, you know, and some people get it from jujitsu. Some people get it from rock climbing, you know, whatever it is, we're our, our medium is jujitsu, you know? So I'm, I'm always glad to be a part of this, you know, in, in any way, especially for, for students that use it as a tool to deal with things, you know, for sure, man. And like, that's like jujitsu or martial arts in general, it's like a part of just the physical culture of like that fitness exercise wellness through those activities. Like so many of my students, those kind of students you were mentioning earlier, like the hobby kind of practitioner that's just coming in. They might even be 40 years old with a couple of kids that do your kids classes. Like, yep. you know, it's for them too. hundred percent. And that's without them, we don't have a, we don't have a community, you know? And uh, so I think that's like, that's important to, for people to remember is jujitsu is not just like a, a way to work out or a way to be healthy. It's a way to be like completely healthy, you know, uh, mind and body, you know? So. And speaking of jujitsu, man, like how, like, yeah, I know that you, um, you got your bite belt from Kyle Terry. Is that correct? That's right. That's right. How, Professor well, Kyle. how did, how did you get, uh, which is le legendary, right? Like I followed that guy for years and, um, you know, met you several years ago and, and, and kind of, you know, like we know some some of the same people. I think the first time I met you may have been at Jack Toffer's house in California. I think that's correct, actually. We were in uh, Irvine. Yeah, yeah that's crazy. Really Small good guacamole. World. 
Yeah, but, uh, that's right. That's right. That's right. It was, and, it was right after the Pan Ams, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was like, I was like a purple belt then. Yep. Yeah, it, was, uh, yep. it was a few years back. Small world, man. Yeah, Jax is super good, dude. I'd like to get him back out soon. But, you know, I will, um, yeah. I, it's crazy. I met Kayo, like, the first time I ever met Kayo uh, was at a Naga tournament. And uh, I was like a purple belt at the time, you know, and had won a few Nagas and had a, you know, massive head and thought I was like, all right, I'm going to go out. And at the time, I wanted to fight Simpson Go. Like he was just someone I had uh, been aware of as a nogi person. And, uh, you know, it was in Vegas. So I was like, all right, I'm going to go to Naga in Vegas and I, I want to try to get a match against Sim Go. And uh, I had no idea who Kaya was. Like I was so new to jujitsu, you know, I didn't, um, I didn't really understand like how deep and who some of the big names were even at that time. I was just focused on nogi, like, like an idiot, you know? And, uh, but, uh, anyways, um, so I go out there and we're sitting up in the stands and I see Kyle come out. I didn't know who he was at the time. And, uh, he's doing the absolute division because Naga used to do that at the very beginning. Right. And so he comes up and, uh, there's this massive like D one wrestler, uh, across the map from him. I'm like, Oh man, look at this kid. He's gonna, he's gonna get smashed, you know? And Kyle looks like, you know, this is, what, 10 years ago almost now? He looks, it looks very young, <laughs> to, to be polite, right? And uh, so um, he rolling toll holds this dude in like 12 seconds, man. It, it, was, it was like ninja through him, you know? And I was like, whoa, that was, that was super cool, you know? And then uh, so we're up in the stands again, just kind of uh, killing time. And then the second round starts in this absolute. And so, oh, here's this, here's this kid again, you know what I mean? And so another big dot guy, like 180 pounds. This guy was a much more um, jujitsu style player, but same thing. After like a minute, Kyle gets him in like a toe hold. Um, yeah, I was pretty sure it was a toe hold. Uh, and, you know, taps the guy very loud and very, you know, uh, violent almost, you know, and I'm just like, oh crap. You know, I start to realize like, hey guys, uh, what do you think he weighs? You know what I mean? Cause like, now I'm starting to put it together that he's likely going to be in my weight division later on today. And I have no idea who this, who this killer is. Right. And, uh, he was still at, um, you know, part of the, the Gracie fight team and stuff like that. So it was before he had his own association or anything, you know, he was still in Caesars in, um, Oh uh, yeah. I remember, San Francisco, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, uh, so I have no idea who this guy is, but now I'm just like, Oh God, you know, and he completely wrecks everybody in the absolute division that day. And then we start our division. So um, my first match was against Simpson Go. And he beat me on points. He made me look silly. He passed my guard. And uh, then uh, I, uh, I had to fight the guy that lost to Kyle, which was some, you know, some brown belt, some dude. And um, so I, I beat him on points. And so I'm sitting there watching uh, Kyle roll against Sim. And he was just so effortless, man. Uh, Sim defended against Omoplata and went to stand up. And before he was even on his feet, he was, ah, you know, he's tapping. And I was like, what, what just happened, you know? And so afterwards, I'm over there kind of, you know, shooting the breeze with Sim. And he's just telling me who this guy is, telling me who Kayo is. And I'm just like blown away. You know, I'm like, that's, that's amazing. I've never seen jujitsu, you know, on that level. And um, this is at the time I was a 10th planet uh, practitioner. And um, so I reached out him, uh, to Denny Prokopos at the time was my coach and he knew Kyle. He's like, yeah, man, Kyle was great. He's amazing. You know, and just, you know, talked him up very, very, uh, you know, spoke very highly of him. And so I started following Kyle and saw that he was going to be doing a seminar in Omaha. 
And at the time that was a, a friend of mine that was a 10th planet school as well, like a, an affiliate. And I think they probably still are. But uh, so I attended the seminar and just, I mean, if you've ever trained with Kayo and he breaks down jujitsu to you, it's, it's on another level. It's, it's, it's like, it's science, you know? And once, once someone has like made it uh, that clear, it really kind of skews it. You know what I mean? And Kayo had me doing a, like a, it was a side control escape. I can still show you every, every technique from that day, you know, eight or nine years ago or however long it's been. And, um, it was just about framing and bridging and getting out and, and doing everything technically. And as a purple belt, I thought I knew how to do it, you know, and he just, you know, it's wrong. It's wrong, wrong. You know, the whole time I just heard it's wrong until finally at the end of the, the day, I did it right. And then from then on, dude, I like everything made sense. Everything clicked. I understand his reasoning behind it. And that's when jujitsu like really started becoming like scientific. And so I reached out to him and started having him come out and do uh, seminars and he just kept, you know, you need to be training the gi, you need to train the gi. And um, pretty much as soon as he opened up an association, it was, uh, it was a good time for me to make a transition to go, go with him uh, full time. So it was, uh, it was a good thing, man. It's been a really good relationship for me. And uh, man, I owe everything to Kaya when it comes to jujitsu, both, you know, my business and, and on the mats, like that'd be lost without a guy, that guy, man. So awesome, man. Man, you know, I know I've seen you over the years uh, doing some camps and stuff with Kyle, and I've also seen you uh, like hosting him and hosting camps for different events like uh, Worlds or Pans or, or, you know, whatever you guys got going on. Like, ha has he, like, uh, how has he impacted your training philosophy, like, and, and how you do things? Man, so the first time I ever went to uh, one of Kyle's camps was uh, the Pan Ams for 2013. And, uh, that's where I met Tanner Rice, uh, Manny Diaz, Landry Lowe, um, wow. uh, Lonza Montiero was there that weekend, Vicente Jr., Samir, Milton Bastos, Cachino. I mean, it was just Clark Gracie was there. It was ridiculous, right? I'm just a brown belt that barely trained in the gi. And Kyle was like, no, you need to be here. I even asked like, should I even wear this brown belt? He's like, no, you're a brown belt. Wear the brown belt. I'm just like, oh God, you know, uh, I mean, Vitor Pichel, I could go on for an hour about all the black belts that uh, Formigo Barbosa was there that weekend. Uh, I mean, it's just, it, two weeks of just getting killed by these amazing people, you know, and, and it, it wasn't even them too. It's like their brown belts and their purple belts were, were killing me. And Kyle's got the heater cranked up to 95 degrees. You know, there's 20 black belts on, on this mat, you know, five black belts over here on this mat, 10 on the back room. It, it's just, it's insanity, right? And what really impacted me, I think, was like the way everybody just killed each other, you know? But nobody really got injured, okay? Like, seriously, I mean, you get bumps and bruises like a tough camp is, is what it is, right? Everybody was super just so, like, nobody knew me, right? Nobody knew me. I was just some guy that Kayo knew and was invited to the camp or whatever. And there's all these just super high-level guys there, so I'm just lost, right? And people are offering, you know, the, the, the fruit from their, their bowl, you know, to you while you're sweating. Like, you, you want some? It's like, dude, I don't even know you. And you're offering me, you know, food, knowing, you know, damn well I might sweat. And it like, it's just that that culture was so positive and hard and difficult, you know, all at the same time that it was over for me after that, man. I was, I was so in love with the way Kyle does jujitsu and trains and like seeks perfection and just, man, that camp uh, changed my life for sure. It was uh, two weeks living in a hotel with my wife. We like 
drove all the way out there with one of our dogs and you know it was it was crazy you know but um from then on I just I, I kind of knew how I wanted to go about jujitsu you know nice nice and you do you have like an annual camp at your gym as well so I went out to that camp for the first so 2013 14 15 I think three years in a row maybe four um and then it started becoming a point where I had enough people here that wanted to do the pans and they wanted to train but they couldn't go out to California for three weeks you know because camp is two weeks long and then after that you have the pans that last for you know a few days or whatever and so to take that much time away from the school became hard for other people as well as for me to be away and removed from the school as it you know it's, it's been growing quite a bit lately and so being able to just kind of be an athlete is, is not really always in the cards. Mm -hmm. So I kind of have to focus on the business side. And that's when we started hosting a camp. And I really just tried to follow Kyle's play, man. I really did. I tried to do exactly what, uh, what he did at his camp and invites all the, you know, high level black belts that I know and are here in the Midwest. And man, it's been pretty awesome. Like I was uh, really disappointed at, at this year's pans being, you know, kind of falling apart, but yeah. we still had an awesome camp with a lot of really good dudes coming and, you know, I think we'll try to get something going uh, as the tournaments, you know, get rolling again for sure. Yeah, yeah, and I hope I hope we see tournaments coming back uh, sooner than later. I know there's still a lot of speculation about events and it's content. tough for them, you know, because they have to navigate through so many things. You know, we're we only have to navigate through our specific set of rules. They have to navigate through everybody's rules, you know, and so I can only imagine the the frustration with those guys. We're going to try to do something kind of fun. Um, it's like going to be like a duels, you know, for like wrestling. We're going to have uh, – and Nick Sanders, I don't know if you know Nick, but he's an awesome dude that uh, you should definitely have on here. He's great. But yeah. um, he uh, he's always shared, you know, lots of uh, uh, ideas with me, and, and we've been a part of different training opportunities. So what uh, we're going to do is we're going to have like a, a duel a situation where you'll fill a weight category – you know, from rooster to ultra heavy and you can do, we'll have like a JV and a V, uh, a varsity, so to speak. So, um, you'll have, uh, white and blue belts will make up your JV team or your, um, B team. And then you'll have purple belt and above that can fill each weight class. So that way, if you don't have a ton of black belts, you can have some purple belts that'll get good matches or brown belts, you know, that will can go up or down or whatever and gives uh, each school kind of an opportunity to fill a squad. And then we'll have those schools kind of go against each other, try to get three teams at the same weekend. And the winner, uh, if you submit your opponent, you would get three points if you, uh, for your team. If you win the match by points, you would get two. If it's a draw or a tie, we get one. So we're not going to do like ref's decision or overtime or anything like that. Just straight up, you know, five minutes for the um, white and blue belt division, six minute rounds for the purple belt and above and then uh, do like an overall team you know and so each school will face each school and then we'll total up the points and uh, announce a winner try to do like cash prize or something cool you know so that is cool man uh you know i had omar on a while back but it, i remember when he was doing those uh battle my crews yeah we, yeah we, we took a couple people out to those and i man i like little in-house events like that like it's something that's just like occurring in the background it's low pressure you see your buddies you know 100 percent. we uh we did it we did the same thing with uh luis pinto uh ninja out at his school in kansas and it's just it's a great opportunity for people that 
might not have that motivation to go compete yet. And then they taste that and they either realize like, okay, that's about all I want. Or they're like, give me more, you know? And that's really what we're trying to do as a coach is get them to see that you're not made of glass. You're going to have, you know, fun. If you lose, who cares, you know? Um, but really it's about the growth of, of competing. You know, it's about that, that angst, you know, getting that, that nerves of something you didn't want to do and you made yourself do it and you didn't die. You know, it's like, that's what competition is all about. I think so many people get lost in the idea of, I need to win a tournament, but really if you're always getting better, I mean, you're kind of winning, you know, no matter what. Um, obviously as we get better and better, we demand more of ourselves and that's why we want to be champions. But um, at the end of the day, if we're, we're improving, man, we're accomplishing our goal through competition. You know, they always say what your, uh, your opponents, your, your most honest coach or something like that. Right. And, and that's true. You know, if you, if you're not good at something, your opponent's going to try to find out as fast as possible and, and exploit it. So that's what I try to get my students to gain out of competition and always trying to encourage them to do like the local tournaments or whatever we can do to, to get those feet wet. For sure, man. I, I, I competed a lot, uh, all the way through Brown belt. I've not competed, uh, since I got my butt, but, um, man, it definitely, I learned so many lessons from competing that, you know, it's impacted the way I approach the way I coach, it's just a part of, uh, you know, my background and everything. Like what, how is, Con I know you have done super fights. You've, I didn't know you had that earlier background like you did in Nogi. So you, you've had kind of like, and you've done like the, the sport circuit, I would say. Right. A little but bit. Yeah, man. I don't, I, you know, the thing is, is there's so many people out there that compete crazy amounts nowadays. So like to say I compete a lot is kind of, you know, uh, ridiculous, but, um, you know, honestly, like as, not having my professor with me all the time, uh, whether it was, you know, when I was with 10th Planet or under Kayo, I think that was the easiest way for me to show him uh, or whoever, my coach, that, you know, I'm getting better. I'm, I'm improving. I'm working on the things that I suck at. See, this is me, you know, trying to get better at them, you know? And so uh, not having that one-on-one -on -one interaction all the time, like every day with your coach is uh, um you know, it, it definitely is, is not as good, you know? And so there's ways that I wanted to always like prove myself. And so competition was just, you know, a way for me to do that. So whether I won or lost, like, that's why I would do like 170 pound and under, you know, uh, absolute divisions and, and, and stuff like that. And, uh, just right, try to put myself out there because at the end of it, if I have that experience, that's what I can pass off to my, my, my students, you know? And if you've never been there before, it's really tough to tell someone how to get there you know, whatever it is, you know, um, that was a big attraction for me with, with Kyle as a coach is he just, he's done it, you know, like he's, he's done it. He's done it all. He's no gi world champion. He's gi world champion. He's, he's the man. Right. And so it's like, he can tell me what it feels like to be nervous for a match. You know, like one of the biggest times Kyle gave me confidence was, uh, you know, I told him, I said, Hey man, every time I go out to the bullpen, I'm just like super, um, <clears throat> nervous but like i feel like um inadequate like i'm like man these guys these guys get to train with black belts all the time man all the time how how am i supposed to possibly compete with them when i just roll with my students you know and so i told kyle this is you know hey man I'm, I'm dealing with this a lot right now it's always in my head he said you know brian the first time i ever won the worlds he said i pretty much only got to train with blue belts he's like that was my you know my most typical training partners was blue belts he said, rarely did i get to train with another black belt, especially one my size, you know, and, uh, 
He's like, and I won the worlds. And I said, Shit. you know, if you can do it, what's my excuse? You know what I mean? So, uh, you know, I, I, he's always just like, when you have that opportunity to speak from a position of experience, it to me carries so much more weight than projection. You know, like I can, I can uh, theorize all day what it feels like to do certain things, you know, what, what it feels like to hunt a grizzly bear, you know, but I've never done that. So I couldn't tell you how much your heart is probably pumping out of your chest when you're aiming on that monster. You know what I mean? Like, that's just, I couldn't even imagine that. So uh, I think experience is huge and especially something like jujitsu. And that's an interesting point and like something I think a lot of people go through, like myself included, of like, I didn't have a professor every day, like instructing me. I cross-trained, I did private lessons, I yep. brought people in, I did seminars, traveled, everything I could do. But um, I mean, what what's the jiu-jitsu scene like around you? Is that like, did you, are you like, is cross-training uh, like a, a prominent thing in the region like was there other people you could network with at the time you were coming up so that's kind of uh weird because when we were first coming up i feel like as a 10th planet school um especially when 10th planet wasn't as uh, uh famous i guess or as as well known as it is now um uh, a lot of people kind of looked at us as like the outsiders like um you know we're not gonna we're not gonna acknowledge those nogi guys or whatever and at the time there was only I think like two places to train and mostly MMA schools here in town. And um, that still is kind of the thing. There's mostly MMA schools that also do jujitsu, you know, um, in the Springfield, we're pretty much the only, you know, large jujitsu only school. There's little clubs and, and places kind of popping up here and there, but you know, it's crazy, man. There's a, there's a lot of schools in Springfield for such a small town. We have a, a lot of places to train. So um, you'll see, you know, I think, um, when you, when you go to the tournaments, you kind of see like the differences of academies and stuff like that. But I think everybody kind of finds what, um, I don't know, the place that they feel is home. Um, I'm always with the open door. I really try to encourage, you know, people to cross train and come in. We have like a Sunday time that is pretty much open to anybody, you know. Um, when we cross train, though, I try to make sure that we have the right people coming in. Because sometimes, man, you get a you get one of those gym hoppers that they just, they don't really have a home. They bounce to everybody, you know, until they get kicked out. And that's the only type of person I try to avoid. But yeah, man, we, we do a lot of events that I just don't charge money for, you know, cause I want to train. I want my friends to come in and train and, and my students to get opportunities to train with new styles and stuff like that. So I think cross training is huge, man. Um, you just have to do it with the right group. You know, you have to have the right attitude when you, when you're doing it. Nice. Nice. Man, how like, uh, you know, so, so I've been talking to a lot of jujitsu people. I talk to historians and all sorts of folks on here, but, uh, I've been like with the downturn, especially before I was offering, uh, classes again for adults. I was like, I got, uh, man, doing those zoom classes for jujitsu is not where it's at, bro. <laughs> you oh, know? Oh my God. Dude, so, I hated it. I, you know, I, I, it was like, I mean, I love my students so much. Like I really do uh shout out to all my students like you guys are awesome like i i really do care about those people so much and so that's why i did it but i hated it man i i that's not how you learn jujitsu i mean you remember when everybody got mad about people getting blue belts uh online oh There's yeah a reason for that. like that's not how you learn jujitsu you know uh, it's a great way to work out you know and I, I can show you to to do a bunch of drills and i can sit here and yeah keep going and, and do all that but that's you, you can't feel a screen you know what I mean and and at the end of the day like that's really what we're doing like that's what makes us as a coach different between a YouTube video 
you know, YouTube video is great, but you got to go to the gym and you got to get people to react and move with you for it to be worth anything, you know? Yeah, man. I just, I, man, I feel like there's better forums than, than the Zoom class for that. And I did, I did like three or four and I did, I did kickboxing classes and had good participation, but. The kickboxing it, I see would be better, you know, but yeah, we did it Monday through Thursday. We did uh, pretty much 45 minute kids, 45 minute adults. Uh, now, kids, Thursday kids are big for us. Kids didn't mind so much. They just wanted to play on the computer and like do, you know, do some workouts and then tell each other jokes and stuff. And so that's, again, I mean, that's what jujitsu is. It's, it's our way to relate to another human, you know? And so uh, the kids kind of, uh, you know, illustrated that better than anybody because they were so excited when I started doing, all right, guys. Uh, and I stole it from my kid's teacher that she was doing like a, like a show and tell at the end of class or whatever. And my daughter was so excited for when it was her day to do show and tell. And so I was like, all right, kids, we're going to do a, you can, you know, tell a joke do a show and tell or, you know, show us something that you're like a, a physical feat, you know, like if you can do a backflip or whatever, you know? And so, man, you could tell the kids would just get through that workout just so they could tell their, their knock, knock joke. You know, Karina was practicing my daughter she was practicing, uh, you know, her joke telling skills the whole, the whole time, just because, you know, she knew she was going to do it at the end of class. So, it, you know, it's cool when we get to kind of use it to do other things, but uh, yeah, at the end of it, Jiu-jitsu class is meant to be taught in person, you know, that otherwise YouTube would have got rid of us many, many years ago. For sure. For sure, man. Um, so like, man, while we're on that, like everybody has their own flair, right? About like their approach, like how they, how their own individual mind interpreted all this stuff we're into. Like, what are some of your approaches on the mat? Like when you're teaching your students, like how you run a class? So, you know, um, we have a curriculum. And the curriculum, uh, uh, Professor Kyle puts together, and it's um, all of the fundamental techniques. And uh, I, what I did is I take that whole list and then I divide it uh, amongst the year. So I know what we're going to cover when we're going to cover it, right? And I try to make sure that one week semi leads into the next, you know, so it's not like completely just lost from one week to the other. Um, my goal with the student, especially in the fundamentals class, is I need you to leave here and understand why to do this technique and when to do it. I don't care if you understand how, okay? The biggest thing I need you to understand is when and why, you know, because if you can understand those things, then you can, eventually you'll get the technique and then you can do the technique from any position. But if you never understand why it works, then you're just, what Kyle would say is you're just mimicking, you know, you're just, you're trying to duplicate emotion and that that's false. Like it, it's, it's like, it's not accurate. It's not how it's going to work live. And that's why you always have problems from, you know, going from a seminar to, uh, you know, the guy is always getting out of the arm lock or whatever. It's like, it's because you don't understand why you're doing the arm lock instead of going for a triangle. You know, you should have been doing the triangle there and that's what he was giving you, you know? And so I try to get the students to try to understand the concepts and you know, the, the, what, uh, I'm sorry, the, the where, and I'm sorry, when and why of it all. And then, you know, just kind of progress onto that. So advanced class is much more open. You know, I kind of, uh, focus hundred percent on sport and what the guys are wanting to go over or what is currently, you know, popular for our advanced class, but the fundamentals is pretty structured. Do you, how do you do, how do you guys do rolling for like so, differences in advanced and your, your regular class? So like what I like to do is I like to do like a situational sparring, you know, at the end of class. So, you know, if we're doing mount drill um, techniques for the day, 
then at the end of class, like let's practice holding and escaping mounts, you know, let's practice uh, rolling to get to the mount, you know what I mean? And so that way you're doing something that's, uh, it's kind of like entry level sparring. Once you start opening it up and say, all right, do what you're good at, you know, then that's when, you know, people kind of start being a little bit more standoffish about jujitsu and uh, a little bit more apprehensive about rolling. So I try to like ease them into it with like a controlled format. And then after that, like, you know, let them stick around afterwards. And so after class is over, because I usually let that be part of class. And at the end of class, you know, we bow out and those that want to stick around uh, are able to roll and those that don't want to can, can sit and watch or drill or whatever they want to do. That is exactly what we have just recently started doing. We just moved to a new spot and three nights a week, right after gi or no gi. Um, and then another night we do, um, you know, Omar's doing this and he's, I got the idea from, but we're doing a systems class, mm -hmm. right? So we're just like all summer, we're just working on uh, Donaher's leg locks system. Cool. Right. I mean, I just like, I, I, I've talked to Omar about it for a while. I'm like, Hey man, how's that working out for you guys? You know, but that's something else we're doing on one day a week, just throughout uh, a couple of different times a day. And, um, is it another advanced class option where it's yeah. like a, you know, an upper level study, but it's not It's not like free rolling, like what you're talking about, but we have three times for that now. Exactly. I, and that seems to be how everybody's doing it. That's why I asked you that question. Cause I, I'm super interested on an academy, how other people are doing it. I mean, and I think that's a, a sign of a good instructor is like, if, if you're always looking for ways to kind of change up or improve upon what you're, what you're doing, what your process is, like that's what makes your, your jujitsu program good. So um, I'm sure your students are, are loving the fact that they're, they're trying something new. Man, where, uh, like, where are you at on, um, you know, like trendy shit and uh, leg locks and stuff in jujitsu for like what you do, you know, cause I know you've competed a fair amount in a lot of tournaments, but like I beat to death, heel hooks always illegal. Like where, where are you at on training that stuff? So like, that's, that's definitely where I'm trying to make sure that I don't get lost in the, the, uh, the wave, so to speak. Right. Cause everybody is doing leg locks and I never want my guys going out and being, um, just like unprepared, you know, like you would hate for them to see something for the first time at the tournament. Right. So I try to do leg locks and learn leg locks and teach leg locks just so my students become aware of them. Right. Um, I try to explain to them like, listen guys, this is something that, you know, if you're going to be sparring, this needs to be like a, an agreed situation, you know, because we have a lot of new people, you know, my goal is not to uh, have five people become savage leg lockers, you know, at the cost of, whatever right my goal is to make the most people comfortable with jujitsu so if they're doing leg locks like especially like heel hooks they need to both be on you know of the understanding that we're going for heel hooks you know and i think if you just like anything man like anything can be dangerous and anything can be safe so if both people have like the consciousness of not trying to hurt each other and using good control and then at the same time the ability to let go of something even when you're gonna win anyways I think that's the biggest part because a lot of people will end up hurting themselves to get out of the leg lock. And it's really not the guy applying its fault at all. It's the person that was, you know, not defending the way they should being too stubborn been guilty of it myself, um, you know, and, and not getting out of it the way they should. So um, just like anything, you can hurt, hurt yourself. However, but uh, I try to keep it like obviously no gi only for the heel hooks, you know, and make sure that people understand if you're going to do this rolling, you need to, 
you need to be a, a, at a proficiency level uh, to where you're not going to hurt anybody. So for sure, for sure, man. It's the question that everybody asks though. Everybody wants to, to yeah. know Gordon Ryan's heel hook system and, and all this stuff. So, you know, I'm trying to not fall asleep watching the Danaher DVDs because he's way too intelligent for me. And uh, the way he talks, I'm just like, Oh my God, what are you you're killing me right now, man? I got to like stations of what <laughs> I got to like take intense notes. If I Dude, to, just to follow along, you know, it's pretty, it's pretty intense, man. So, uh, but his system works and you know, his leg locks are, are solid. So, um, you know, I've, I've, what I've really been trying to get good at myself and what a few of my students are very good at is the Kyle ankle lock that he does from Dale Hiva. Uh, this is a straight ankle lock, man. That thing is so nasty. And, uh, if you get good at it, you can really use it, uh, to catch people when they, they're not expecting a leg lock to come in. So that's been a real good, good meta, so to speak, you know? Yeah. Man. So like, uh, having an earlier background, uh, and some 10th planet system stuff. Were they doing the warmups uh, at the time that you were in that system? So that's kind of funny. I, so I was the ninth 10th planet school in the, in the world. Right. Uh, so wow. we were, we were very early on with it, but uh, yeah, I came in before we were doing the warm up series and that was a big reason that I, honestly, man, I didn't like it. You know, I was the, I was, I think one of the first people that was just, I'm not going to do this. You know um, some of it is great. But some of the warm-up series, especially when it was getting put out, and again, I don't, I'm not of the loop on, on what they're doing, so I don't, I'm not trying to say anything negative by any means. But um, I remember doing like re reverse daily heave, like inversion rolls as part of the warm-up. And I'm just like, how do I expect a brand new person to come in and, and do this as a warm-up? You know, like you, are, you see how bad people are at shrimping. You know, like, how are they going to do uh, reverse, you know, inversions and stuff like that on, on their first day as a, as a warm-up? And so um, when that became a big focus, that was one of the reasons why I really started uh, to kind of just notice what I wanted with jujitsu, And that was understanding the fundamentals of how it works. And that's what Kyle really just has in, in you know, tenfold. So. Is there any of that stuff you, that you still have in your game or you still do? So I still will play rubber guard, you know, a lot, man. If you drive into me and close guard, I can't help myself. You know what I mean? Um, because that's the time to play it. You know, um, lockdown, when I'm being, being flattened out in half guard, that's the time to play the lockdown. You know, um, uh, twister rolls from top uh, side is one of my favorite ways to take the back, you know, by far. Uh, the truck is an amazing position, you know? And so I think the biggest thing with 10 to planet is people have to realize that those positions are amazing techniques to use at the right time, you know? But if you just go to lockdown when you could have been playing a shin shield half guard and you just gave yourself flattened out for no reason, you know what I mean? And so when I was learning jujitsu um, with, with 10th planet specifically, like I wasn't learning those concepts and maybe that was me living far away, whatever. Um, but I just, I didn't understand those things. You know, I didn't understand the lockdown is a good half guard, but I would rather not be flattened out at all. So let's just play shin shield. You know what I mean? Like that, that to me was, um, you know, kind of forcing a, a, a square peg in a round hole. You know, the, the lockdown is amazing, but not to purposely flatten yourself out. You know, the rubber guard is amazing, but if the guy is posturing up really hard, you're not going to be able to break down a black belt with, with that without hurting yourself, you know? Yeah, for sure, man. Like, and that's, 
that's a great point. Like I like a lot of 10th planet stuff, uh, at the right time. And man, it just is something to study in jujitsu and as a part of the culture, it's, yep. it's unavoidable at this point. Um, it, you know, the, them and the Donna Heard death squad and man, all these little associations yourself, you, you, you know, yourself included, everybody has uh, great things to offer. hundred percent. And the thing is, is like, you'll, you'll run into those things when you'll find out you don't know them when you run into one of those specialists, you know what I mean? Like you run into a guy from 10th planet that you give, you know, low posture in his closed guard and then you're getting uh gogoplatin, you know, it's like, Oh, I shouldn't do that. I get it. You know, or you go against Kyo and you know, you're going to, or someone from Kyo school, you're going to go against someone that understands half guard very well, regardless of if they play it or pass it, they're going to be proficient at it. You know, you go against, uh, Dan her desk squad, they understand the system of leg locks and using that, not even just to attack the legs, but how to get to other positions, you know? And so I think that's why you should always be willing to study anybody's jujitsu and then find out if it has a place in your game. You know, it doesn't mean you have to be a rubber guard practitioner, but you need to understand how it fits in the whole scheme, you know, in the big web of it. It's like, how does, you know, there's rubber guard right there, you know, and like, I need to understand what to do when I'm in it or how to avoid it, you know? For sure, man. I hate, uh, I hate like what you were saying. Like p- my people getting caught with something they have never seen before because of like some sort of closed-mindedness or dogmatism, and like, oh, that's bullshit. We don't. We don't do that move here. Yeah, you know, man. It's, but you know, that's. I, I think that I've learned over time and through just doing that. That's not the best approach. it's not man and eventually you'll you'll run in like i said you'll run into something and i think with the uh, focus of heel hooks right now i am seeing that i personally have probably had a deficiency in making sure my advanced guys are really really drilling that and so having like a time and a place where we are getting after it in the leg you know uh, working leg locks i think has been important so um yeah, sometimes uh, instructors even need to take a step back and, you know, see if we're doing it right still, you know. For sure, man. I, I totally agree. Well, man, I, like uh, kind, of, kind of wrapping it up, like what are some goals post-pandemic? Uh, everything goes back to normal. What are, Bro, some go- what are some goals you have for the future, man? I got something super cool coming up. So um, I just uh, – have you ever heard of uh, wake surfing? Oh, yeah. My cousin, he has a, a, a Mastercraft a okay. boarding boat. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I just got a Malibu. It's a uh, shout out to the guys, the guys at Ski Shack. What's up? Uh, but yeah, it's super, super awesome boat, man. I'm excited to get it out. But what I'm going to be doing this summer is I'm going to bring out different friends of mine and kind of like what you're doing right here, but just in a different format. And we're going to do a little bit of jujitsu. And then after that, I'm going to take them out on the lake and either teach you how to surf or watch you surf and, uh, you know, shred it up a little bit. And so we'll do a quick interview, kind of like what you're doing, hear about what they uh, love about jujitsu or stuff like that. It's going to be called sessions. So, uh, check it out. Yeah. We're working on it right now. Man. And kind of for people listening that don't know, like, because wake surfing is interesting. It kind of blew my mind the first time I saw somebody doing it, but like, Oh dude, it ruined my life. Okay. So, uh, one of my, I, I grew up, you know, and, and uh, living uh, in and out of California, you know, uh, my, my mom's originally from there. And so uh, I lived there on and off uh, throughout parts of my childhood. Right. And so surfing was always just like an awesome thing to be able to go do. And I just, I love it. And anytime I get the opportunity to go back to California, 
I would usually surf or take my boards or leave my boards at my grandma's house. And I mean, it, it got to the point where I would take my students and buy them surfboards and wetsuits uh, wet just to make them come with me, you know? And uh, one of my students, he's like, oh, dude, you, uh, you had to come uh, surfing with us down at the lake. I'm like, what are you talking about surfing at the lake? He's like, oh, it's behind the boat, makes a wave. I'm like, dude, what are you talking about? There's no way it makes a wave, you know? He's like, no, it makes a legit wave. I'm like, okay, fine, take me out. And so we go out and we go out on his uncle's, uh, what's called a super aeronautique G25, okay? We're talking about like a $200,000 boat. The thing is amazing. It's like, it's a Batman's boat, right? And so I get on this thing, have no idea that it's one of the nicest boats in the whole surf industry, right? And uh, just blown away at how awesome this thing is and how you can legitimate surf behind it. It throws a pretty awesome wave, you know? And uh, so I left there and I was just like, Google search, how much are these boats? What's going on? And so for the last three summers, I have been saving money and, you know, I spent a bunch of that money when I opened up our new school, but uh, for the most part, every cent that I can pocket, I've been, you know, setting aside to try to, to pull the trigger on a boat. And so last weekend, we finally found a good deal on one that we could afford and wow. uh, we test drove it on Saturday. And so we're hopefully picking it up uh, in like two days. So um pretty stoked about that man so yeah nice, nice uh surfing is so much fun it's like the only thing i can compare to like uh tapping into like natural energy like uh jujitsu now we have to obviously man make it here in missouri so that's why we got a boat but uh yeah super excited i'll have to have you out man it'll be a lot of fun we'll uh, we'll shred it up and talk about jujitsu for sure man and uh next time uh i'm uh, in the neighborhood head that way anytime uh, man springfield sure bj is such a open school for for visitors we have people come in from all the, all over the country and what's awesome is once someone does come in as like a traveling person they usually start using us as like uh just kind of their go-to spot when they're in the midwest so we always love having visitors well man we go core and i periodically like i take a couple of times a year go to branson yeah you know, which is so awesome. that's where that's where uh my boat will be is on table rock and we ha actually have some land down there uh right now so uh, we almost moved there actually, uh, a few, a few months ago, but we decided to stay in Springfield. So, okay. Wow. Nice. Yeah. It's a nice area, man. I love it down there. Yeah, it is. It really is. I've got a, a few members that like grew up in Branson. I was like, man, I, I didn't know people grew up there. You let me know anytime you're in the area, man. We'll, yeah. uh, we'll get out. We'll get on the lake. I will bro. For sure. Well, I appreciate you coming on and, uh, I'll give you a shout if I'm in the neighborhood and, uh, we'll, uh, well, I'm sure I'll be seeing you around on the circuit. Sounds good, Brian. Hey man, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. And, uh, uh, great, great job here. So I'll uh, look forward to seeing you soon. All right, man. Appreciate thanks it. Thanks a lot. Later, bud.